0: We were kind of back and forth. We're like, well, it's going to stop raining, um, but then it's, it's cold. It's a flannel kind of Sunday, isn't it? And, uh, and then I started imagining all of the kids running through the grass where it just had rained an inch, and then, and then all the laundry that would have to be done, and we thought, no, we're going we're gonna to call it, but we're going to call an audible, because you mentioned legends, and I'm like, you know what? Hey, if you want to hang out I think there's just going to be a whole group that goes to Legends. If you want to join uh, Legends, if you just go down Lorraine, hang a left on, uh, on Alasta on Route 66. It's just on the left there. It's got plenty of space, uh, some, some good food. If you want to hang out instead of at the park, we'll be at Legends after church. How about that? Sound good? All right. Well, we're starting this new year off with a new series entitled Shine. Shine. We're going to be talking about shine a lot this year. Each year, I take time before the Lord just to pray and ask him, what's the direction he's leading us for this year? Uh, is there a word that, that he wants to speak over our church, something that we can attach our hearts to and say, God, what is it we can expect from you? The, the word this last year in 2018 was the word build. And out of James, we, he talks about the fact that God is building us as a spiritual house, that God's God's church is not a building. God's church is a people, and, uh, and we saw and we have great testimonies of what God has done. We'll celebrate that here uh, in a few weeks. The last Sunday of this month, we're going to share some testimonies of what God has done in our, in our midst and in our congregation. But uh, the word for this year is the word shine, the word shine. Shine. And so we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks. Uh, we have a vision Sunday on the 27th of January, and we're going to cast some vision for this year. But, but the, the thing that the Lord has put on my heart, and as we've talked to our leaders and prayed with our pastors, is this word, shine. And so you're going to hear a lot this year. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter 34 and wow. Matthew 17. Exodus 34 and Matthew 17. I feel like we need to just stop for a second. I want to pray. God, it'd be easy to just jump in, just run into a new year. Lord, there's so much that's ahead. Lord, I, I even just realized, Lord, in my own heart, Lord, that there's a sense of uh, urgency, but also a sense of hurriedness. God, I thank you, you're not in a hurry. That you're so incredibly intentional. And so we pause this morning on this first Sunday of the year. Lord, on the heels of an incredible time of worship, just declaring who you are and declaring our identity in you, we pause in this moment to give you praise. God, you are worthy. You are worthy of praise. Church, can we just take a minute, just speak praise. Would you speak glory and honor to the Lord? God, we honor your holy name. We magnify you in this place. You are worthy of our praise. Be bold. Be bold to raise your voice out, lift your voice up, and speak out loud. God, we honor and we magnify you. You are worthy of our praise in this place. We lift you on high. God, you are You are a great king. You are a good father that you are enthroned on the praises of your people. Lord, that your kingdom has no end. We honor you. Give you praise. We magnify your holy name in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, as we gather each Sunday this year, as we fellowship, as we worship, as we hear from your word, God, we ask that you would be present. Lord, we know you're already here. I pray that our attention, that our focus would be turned to you. I pray this morning that you would remove the distractions. That you would remove the things, Lord, that are even weighing on our hearts today. And God, that you would cause us to be open vessels, ready to receive all that you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Bible talks about light a lot. All the way from Genesis to Revelation, you read about light in in various forms. The Bible talks about light and darkness, talks about literal light in the book of Genesis, where God speaks, and we'll talk about this in a minute. He speaks, and, 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 and there's light that is that comes into the darkness and, and, and there's the separation that happens. He talks about light and life. He talks about light illuminating our hearts, light and wisdom and, and, and being able to see with new eyes. The Bible talks about God's word being a lamp and a light to our feet. And the Bible talks about God's glory shining like a magnificent light. We could spend a whole year talking about light, talking about shining, talking about God's glory. And this morning, I felt led to, to spend some time, before we talk about our light's shining, to talk about God's light and who He is, and understanding that without Him, we, we have nothing. We, we are nothing. See, light's an important part of our lives, isn't it? If you were here at our Christmas service, in this room, we shut off all of the lights in this room, and, and it was dark. I mean, there's no windows in this place. You close those doors, you turn off all these lights, it gets dark really quickly. It's amazing is that even these little thermostats up on the wall, uh, the, the lights went off, and, and that little glow all of a sudden seemed pretty bright, right? You don't even notice those things, but when it was dark in this place, man, those things popped out. They stood out. We need light. Light's an important part of our lives. Would you agree? Yeah. Light's an important part of our lives. If we didn't have light, we would be severely limited in what we're able to accomplish. Here's some thoughts or some observations that are very obvious. Um, First is this, light is obvious. You, You can see light, right? If there's a light, you know it's there. And if there's no light, you definitely know that there's no light, and so light is obvious, especially when you're in a dark place. When you're in a dark place, and all of a sudden there's a little light that turns on, you, your eye is just drawn to that light. So light, light is obvious. We know when there's light, and we know when there's no light. Uh, light is comforting. How many of your kids still sleep with a light? A handful. How many of you still sleep with a night? No, it's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. Light is comforting, unless it's the middle of the night, I, if, when I lie in my bed, and if the blinds are just drawn the wrong way, there's a street light that shines right through the blinds, right in this eye. <laughs> not so much this eye, but right in this eye. Then it's not as comforting. But, but we know from even when we're kids, and, and even as adults, though we might not as admit it as readily, as, is that the darkness is not a comfortable place for us. We, we like the comfort of light. We know this, that light is life-giving. It's life-giving. We cannot live without light. As many of you know, Megan and I lived in Alaska for a few years, and in fact, Megan grew up there. And one of the things that's unique about living in a, that, that very northern Arctic kind of uh, area, or if you live in the very far south, like Antarctica or the southern tip of of south america is that in the winter you have very very short days i would go to work uh shortest day of the year is december 22nd and right around that time i would go to work in the dark the sun would come up at about nine forty five, and then it would set at about three o'clock That's not a long day, and then it didn't do kind of the high pass through the sky. It was like this low pass right over the horizon, right, so that the sun could reflect off the snow right into your eyes. One of the things that happens in in these extreme climates is that the the lack of light causes people to, to actually go into a depression, and so people will take supplements in order to help them, or they just, they get out. Uh, there 's really cheap tickets from Alaska to Hawaii during the middle of winter, and I think they do it purposefully because it just maintains sanity. Uh, people will buy lamps, special lamps that they put in their houses just to to gain the the, the the light that they need the vitamin D and all of the things they need from the light to to really stay sane um, and so the lack of light has an effect we cannot live without light we need light we 're designed to have light. Uh, to to, to live Uh, we know this plants cannot live without light if you're if you're a gardener you know this you go to home depot and you look at all the little labels right and you you evaluate your garden and you're like okay there's a a shady spot so i'm going to look for a plant that has right partial sunlight and it'll tell you how many hours of daylight are needed each day or there's a plants that need full sun and uh, and they they just need a you know six to eight hours of daylight every day. Uh, the, and it's funny is in Alaska, the during the summer, I mean during the winter the days are really short. But then the the opposite is true during the summer, we would have eighteen, nineteen, twenty hours of daylight. Uh, and you go to the Alaska State Fair, and because of the abundance of daylight, they grow these pumpkins and cabbages that are enormous uh, like a world record pumpkin over a thousand pounds one pumpkin it's on a big pallet and it's like overflowing or you imagine a 90 pound cabbage right (laughs) and it's just it's just because there's so much light but you won't find at home depot is any plants where the little tag says this plant requires no light whatsoever (laughs) right that doesn't exist if you know of any i've got some shady spots that could really use one of those Every every plant requires light. Photosynthesis is that process of turning sunlight uh, into energy in in that in that plant. And so light is important. One more obvious thing or, or, or thing about observation about light is this. Light always has a source. It always has a source. Light doesn't just happen. And we understand that that darkness is simply the absence of light. Darkness can happen, but light has to be intentional. It has to have a source. It's funny that we don't really give thought much to the sources of light in our lives. You know, what makes it possible? We walk into a room, we flip a switch, and the lights come on, right? And, and we live in a, in a Western culture, in a, in a modern culture where... It's really the exception, and especially here in Southern California, our power doesn't really go out that much. So so when you walk in a room and you flip on the light switch and there's no light, we kind of like, huh? And then it's the whole, where did I put the candles that I'm supposed to have in case of an earthquake? kind of deal. We don't give a lot of thought to where light comes from, but light always has a source. The sun. The sun has a source. The sun is the sphere of heated plasma that we see every morning, that the sunrise this morning coming up over the, the clouds and, and hitting these foothills was just magnificent. It was beautiful, beautiful sunrise today. We see the sun. It's obvious in the sky. And we know that the sun, though, didn't just happen and, and while it's a, a sphere of plasma, this superheated plasma that, that, that burns millions of miles away from where we are and that, that light travels and hits the earth and warms us and gives us light, it didn't just happen either, as some would present. Genesis 1, 1, 2 through 5 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So even our sun and the stars and the galaxies in the universe that we we know about and those that we don't. It seems like every every day or every year we're discovering more and more universes or galaxies that exist out there and suns and stars that, you know, that light that is traveling light years to get to where we are, where we see it. But God spoke all of that into being. It has a source. We understand that when we maybe go camping or, or maybe this Christmas around your house, you, you had lots of candles burning. That, that you set a candle on the mantle, it doesn't just spontaneously ignite. Right there has to be a source. You have to have a match. You have to have a lighter that brings that flame to bear on that wick. And, and so there has to be the source. And then of course there has to be the fuel that continues to feed that flame. Uh, if you're camping and 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 you have a campfire going, you know you've got to keep adding firewood to that fire to keep that flame alive. Or maybe maybe you're the kind of camper that you use a gas lantern. Right, and you you have that that the fuel. You have that right, the the little sock, right, the little filament that you put in there and you light that thing. Isn't it amazing that those glow the way they do? Um, You know, it has a source. Of course, the one that we're most familiar with is the electric light bulb, the electric light bulb. We use them every day, and they've taken on all kinds of forms. You have incandescent light bulbs and fluorescent light bulbs and LED and, and all manner of kinds of light bulbs that are bright and, 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 and shiny. I have with me here this morning my, my LED flashlight. And I love this thing. I, I love most about this other than the fact it's, it's just super bright and the batteries are all, I won't shine it in your eyes because that's no fun. Um, but I love is I can drop this and the light bulb's not going to go out. Right, remember just old style light bulbs, like you drop it and you're like, ah, in the middle of the dark. Um, but I push a little button on the back and, and the batteries in here causes current to, to the, the, the current flows. There's a connection that's made, it's made and, it, and it goes up to that light bulb and, right, it's obviously a lot more technical than that. And, and this light lights up. Same thing when we flip a switch on the wall and that current flows coming from wherever it was sourced into that light bulb and illuminates the room. It's amazing how the electric light bulb has actually changed the way we live on this planet. It's changed the way that the world functions. In fact, I have this map of the world that shows this is the world at night. So, of course, this was pieced together because there's never a time where the entire world is at night. But that shows just the glow from space of the lights on earth. And of course, you can tell that in the United States, in Western Europe, and over in Asia, there's a lot of light, right? There's a lot of light. What's interesting about this map is also kind of a commentary on poverty in our world. You want to know where the money is? It's where the light is. It's where the light is. It's uh, it's pretty amazing that... So much of our world even lacks just light. But here's what happens is if you don't have light, if you don't have access to light, your day is very limited. See the electric light bulb and the invention of the the light bulb allowed us to start doing things at night that we could never do. I mean it's right, we're in the height of football season right now, and there's a lot of these games that are played at night. Well a hundred years ago that wouldn't have happened. Because once the sun goes down, that's it. If you might have a candle in your house and you read a book at candlelight and then you go to bed early and that was it. That was your life. But now we have the ability to stay up late. We can go out. We can go out to dinner. We can go watch a movie. We can watch a sports event. Uh, We can work. There's a lot of people who work at night. And so people now have the ability to work around the clock. What's interesting is that the light bulb uh, if I had asked this morning who invented the light bulb, would probably say Thomas Edison. But The reality is he was one of the contributors to, and, and his, his part of the invention was actually putting the light bulb into a form that was really practical for, uh, cons- uh, for consumer use. But there's really about 20 people that played a part in inventing the light bulb, Um, So again, of course, Thomas Edison develops his practical version, but there's a gentleman named Joseph Swan, an English uh, or British inventor. His home was the first house in the world to be wired for electric light. It was the first home ever. And then he oversaw the the installation of electricity in the Savoy Theater in Westminster in London. It was the first commercial building ever wired for electricity. And this all happened in about 1880. 80. So of course we're very limited in that time So it's really over the last hundred years Hundred, hundred and twenty years That we've seen this advance of light Into the world that we live in to, Resulting in what we see up on that, that map It has changed the way we live our lives Light has changed the way we live But you know there's an incredible biblical truth here It just runs right concurrently with that idea. See, God's light has transformed the way we live our lives. It has transformed who we are. It has transformed how we go about living our lives. In fact, even more so than something like an electric light bulb. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is the source of light in our lives. While I might not give a lot of thought to where the electricity comes from or the process, even the lights that are all around us this morning, there's a lot of lights happening. You know, walk into this room and go, well, I wonder where the electricity came from that is powering that LED par light up on the... You didn't think about it. There was just light. In the same way, we don't all always give a lot of thought to the light that is coming to us from God himself. It's one of the reasons that worship is so powerful, that we have this moment in in lifting our hands and speaking praise. As Maria led us and prayed over us this morning about our identity, that that it's in this moment that our attention is turned towards the source of this light, and we feel the warmth. Tell me, like in worship, that you just don't feel the warmth of the presence of God. It's because of that light that we become more aware of. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.8, he says, For you once, speaking of us, for you were once darkness. Not in darkness. That you were darkness. You were devoid of light. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. You were darkness but God has given you his magnificent light. Now live as children of the light. There's two stories in Scripture I want to talk about this morning. I don't really have uh, multiple points this morning. Um, there's kind of just one big point, and you'll pick that up as we go through. But I think these two stories in Scripture really illustrate the, the, kind of the goal of this morning's message. So The first is in Exodus 34. Exodus 34. I'm going to read the, the, the passage. You can follow along on the screen. Uh, these passages, by the way, are also available, uh, and the notes are available on the app. It says this in verse 29, "...when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he spoke with the Lord." When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them so Aaron and all the elders of the community came back to him. Can we just stop there? It means they ran away. They saw him and they were like we're out of here. And so they come back to where he is, and he spoke to them. And afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the, presence to, uh, the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak. Uh, went, went in to speak with the Lord. You can read this and go, oh, that's, that's interesting. But the reality is, this is remarkable. This is incredible. Here's this man, Moses, who, by the way, it's not his first encounter with God in, 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 in the realm of fire. Of course, we know Moses uh, sees the burning bush It is this bush that's burning and it's not being consumed and there's a voice that comes out of the bush and and, and all throughout scripture we see light and fire being representative of the presence of God. But Moses has gone up on the mountain, That children of Israel have come out of Egypt, they've been delivered from slavery, walked through the Red Sea, experienced this miracle, and now here's this people who for 400 years have been without their own home, out there, their own nation, their own land, uh, and really the, the only thing they have is each other, the, their relationship with each other, but they have no form of governance. They've been slaves, so they've just been told what to do. And, and they're in the desert now trying to figure out what's next. And God says to Moses, come up on the mountain, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to give you what you need to govern this people, to lead them into life, to lead them into the promised land. Yeah, and he gives them the covenant law, this commitment that, that he makes to them. That's what covenant is. It's a commitment that God makes to the Israelites, saying, I want to be your God. I want you to know me, and I want you to walk with me, and I'm gonna tell you how to do that. I'm gonna spell it out as clearly as I possibly can. And so Moses goes up on the mountain. He's there in the presence of God, and at one point, uh, God, Moses is going, I want God, I wanna see you. And God says, you can't. You can't see me and live. This because of the sin in his life. You see, in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God, they saw God face to face. But once sin enters the equation, because of that depravity, an unholy and unrighteous and unredeemed people cannot stand in the presence of a holy God and live. And so, God, in his compassion, says to Moses, No, I can't. You would die. He says, but now I'm gonna hide you in the cleft of this rock and my glory will pass by. And after this whole encounter and this time that Moses spends up on the mountain, it says that the mountain was just covered with a cloud and there was lightning. And right, imagine the fourth of July, just this incredible light show that's going on. And and the people are freaked out. We know the story is that the Israelites are watching this and they don't know what it is, they've never seen anything like this ever. And so they're afraid that Moses is dead, they're freaking out, they make the golden calf, right? They start rebelling. So ultimately Moses comes down from the mountain and he has, he has with him the Ten Commandments. He has the covenant law. And as he comes down the mountain, the people looking are going, who is that? Who is that guy? We don't, we don't know who that is. He was glowing so brightly that they couldn't recognize his face. Guys, let's think about this for a second. I mean, I, I, I was kind to you and didn't shine my flashlight in your eyes, right? And I'm, like, I'm standing looking at the, the light in the back of the room, that spotlight back there, and I, you know, I can't look directly into it because it, it hurts. How brightly did Moses' face have to be shining that they couldn't look at him? That's just, like, I didn't see that on Charlton Heston's face when he comes down, Right? <laughs> hollywood missed the boat on that one he just comes meandering down it says that he was shining so brightly that they couldn't look at him and it wasn't a one-off deal every time he would go back into the presence of the lord he would take the veil off right kind of based a little bit <laughs> come come back and he would come back and have to cover up again why because the people couldn't look at him because the glory of God was resting on him something happens when you're in the presence of God something powerful something transforming happens when you're in the presence of God it's a lot of glow that's a lot of glow and how awesome was it? How, what a privilege for Moses to be in that place. Out of everyone in that nation, out of all of those people, God says, I'm going to choose you to come into my presence, to come and stand before me, to not even look face to face, but to be affected by the presence of God. Can I tell you this morning, our source is the presence of God. Just like every light has to have a source, our source has to be and is only ever the presence of God. And there is no substitute. There is nothing else that can stand in the place of being in the presence of God. We can pursue all kinds of things in our lives, there's all kinds of books that we can read and seminars that we can go to and ideas that we can think and classes we can take and, and all kinds and all manner of things that can occupy our lives. But our source at the end of the day, the only source we have is the presence of God. Just like it was for Moses. Paul writes again in Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You were darkness, you are light. And then he says, I pray that, that your, your heart may be enlightened, that the dark places inside would, would have the light of God shining in such a way that you would know who God is, that you would understand. And you see the correlation with Moses? We, God, we don't know how to serve you. He goes, I'll tell you how. I'm going to give you the instructions you need to follow me. And he says, he through Jesus Christ, that he would enlighten through his Holy Spirit, he would enlighten our hearts so that we can discern and understand what God is calling us to see our source is the presence of God. In the New Testament, we see this experience revisited in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 17, it says this in verse 1, After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It is good for us to be in this place. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud A bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. The transfiguration of Jesus, this man who, born as a baby into this world, steps out of heaven into this reality, grows up as a man, and and really steps out of the glory of, of the presence of God. That there had to be a limitation to, to, to that glory in Jesus' life for the same reason that Moses couldn't look on the, on the face of God. We could not have lived, and so Jesus chooses to step into humanity in a way that, that as I said even at Christmas, made him accessible to us but it wasn't the full picture of who he was. And Peter, James, and John, in this moment, as Jesus goes up onto this mountain and is in the presence of, of his father, is transfigured in such a way that he starts glowing, just like Moses, who then shows up on the scene. Right? So these glow buddies, they're just hanging out, right? Come on. They're glowing together in the glory and the presence of God. And, and Peter's like, this is a good place to be. Let's just hang out. Let's forget about everyone else, right? There's, a, there's nine other guys. They can just stay down there. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to be in the light. I want to be in this cloud where his presence is hovering. Transfigura- Transfiguration is one of these points of scripture that people are like, well, what is that all about? Jesus, as he comes to the cross, is moving from the, the, the man portion of his life back into the God portion, back into the full glory that, that he had once before. In fact, in John seventeen five, his prayer to his father is, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is the real picture of who Jesus is. And so he's transfigured in the, in the presence of his father as he moves towards the cross to accomplish his purpose. The, the word transfiguration can also be translated, translated metamorphosis. right? And how many of you just thought of a butterfly? right? We, that's, that's probably the place we see that the most. The, 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 the definition of this word transfiguration is this. It's an outward change that comes from within. It's an outward change that comes from within. See, the thing that we could think with Moses and with Jesus in these two encounters with God is that there was some. It was like, like, you know, uh, like a tanning bed, right? You go tanning, and there's this light on the outside that transforms the outside of you. But their time in the presence of God did this. It transformed them on the inside. So that the outside reflected what was going on in the inside. It's the very same thing that God wants to do in your life. See, what happens in our lives is that the the inside is transformed. And then the outside reflects what's happening on the inside. It's an outward change that comes from within. Jesus standing on that mountaintop in his rightful place, in the presence of God, in that place of fellowship and unity and, and communion with the Father, what's on the inside is just reignited is stirred up in such a way that the disciples go, whoa, he's glowing, he's shining, his clothes shined with the glory of God. I started out talking about the components of light understanding that light is obvious and light brings life and light is comforting as we continue talking about light we need to understand this we need to understand as god causes his light to shine in our lives that the results of that will be obvious That the light that shines in our lives because of Jesus Christ will bring comfort. That the light that God causes to shine in our lives will bring life to the world around us. But, church, it starts with us because you cannot give what you do not have. There has to be something that's happening between you and the Father. The source you have is the presence of God. It's interesting that Moses had to wear a veil because we understand in the temple there was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everyone else. And the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God would reside, and only the high priest could go back there. But Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, and as he breathed his last, there was that earthquake, then there was lightning. And then that veil, that curtain, tore in two. And that the presence of God was released because the the wages of sin had been satisfied that the presence of God could be released upon the earth once again. The gift of Jesus Christ to you and to me is light. It is the light of of life. It is the light of the glory of his presence. It is that full access we now have to the presence of God, to our very source. See, unlike the, the Israelites who sat in the, the camp waiting for Moses as he went into the presence of God, we all now have access. You have access. Hebrews says that we can come boldly before his throne. And as we do, there will be a metamorphosis of a transfiguration that will take place starting on the inside and working itself out to the outside. Where that light that is now in us, as Paul says, where we move from being darkness into light will be obvious, will be seen. We're going to move into a time of communion because I want us to celebrate that gift. i want to invite the ushers to prepare God is your source. He is your only source. And you have access to that source only because of the work of Jesus at the cross. It's the only reason that we can walk in a full relationship with him. To be immersed in his presence. To allow him to transform our lives. To change the way that we live. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what what those obvious signs of that light are in our lives. We're going to have an opportunity to inspect and look at our lives and, right, it's not for me to, to, to look at your life and go, well, you should, this, this, that, and the other. But can we just be real for a second? If light is supposed to be obvious, it'll be obvious. Right. I if If... If you're walking in the presence of God, if I'm walking in the presence of God, if I'm spending time in His Word and spending time in prayer and spending time in in worship and fasting and, and committing myself to spiritual disciplines, that the result on the outside of my life will be obvious, not contrived or manufactured. Go ahead. So Jesus, in this moment where he's hanging on the cross, fulfilling what God had set in place from the foundation of the earth, that we would no longer walk in darkness, that we would be children of the light. And he breathes his last. That veil is torn. And we know in scripture that on the cross, Jesus, his body was broken. and was beaten for you and for me. His blood was shed for you and for me. The Bible tells us that because his body was broken, that we can have healing in our bodies. That we can be made whole. That every part of who we are emotionally, relationally, physically. That our thinking can be restored because of. The body of Christ. That because of his blood that was shed. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. There is no forgiveness of sin. It was a necessary sacrifice. For Jesus. Why? So we can have access. To the light. So as we. Pass the trays. As you take the bread. I'll ask that you take the bread. And just hang on to it. And we'll, we'll partake. We'll receive together. But would you thank him this morning for the access he has given you to the father for the for renewing the source of light in your life so that you don't have to walk in darkness let's pray father god we thank you that you are our source that there is no other and that you are absolutely reliable. That we can count on you. and God that you had set in motion a plan to restore yourself to us and, and, and us to you. Through the cross. Jesus we thank you for surrendering your body to the punishment. Our punishment that you bore in your own, in your own flesh so that we could be made whole. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. we go ahead and stand up together? Would you hold the bread? Here's what I want to do. We're going to take 20 seconds. But would, would you just write where you're at? Would you pray? Would you thank him? Would you thank the Lord for what he's done for you? And he'll receive when you're done. Jesus. Thank you. Receive together. The old hymn says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. White as snow. He's not just talking about white. Like a new garment that in the same way as Jesus stood in the presence of God in that, on that mountaintop that he, he glowed he reflected the glory of God that, that Jesus paid the price on the cross to remove our stain to remove the sin so that we could shine with his glory to stand before him and receive from him everything he has for us and to allow it to transform us from the inside out. Jesus, we thank you that you paid it all, that you made a way, and because of your sacrifice on the cross, we have access to the fullness and the glory of God. Lord, as we receive this cup, Lord, we we receive it as a seal over this year, over our lives. God, that we have been set apart, that we are called out people, called by your name to walk out of darkness and into your glorious light. And so, God, I pray that we will walk as children of the light because of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, let's receive the cup together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. I invite the worship team to come forward. We're going to close this time this morning in worship, lifting his name on high. I want to encourage you, be bold, sing loud, declare his praises. Amen. Amen. You are so loved. Can I just tell you this morning, God loves you so much. You are so loved. You are so loved. Let's sing together. I am chosen.